0: Well, good morning again. It's great to see you all. Thank you for gathering here this morning and for bringing the church into a YMCA gymnasium. And if I've never had the opportunity to meet you, uh, my name is Jamie. It is my great privilege to serve here as one of the pastors at crosspoint and this morning in fact we're going to be talking about uh, the role of the pastor or as the scriptures interchangeably will use the role of the elder because this is a really exciting morning for us as a church uh, for the last 18 months roughly um, two men uh, Dan Crosby and Eric Rome have gone through uh, this elder process and I'll explain more of that in a moment but it was um, it's a it's a pretty significant uh, process to go through a lot of time a lot of commitment and maybe a way to think about it is this it's sort this vetting process of sorts where um, they're tested in regards to their character, all right? I mean, the scriptures, more than anything, speak of the character of a a pastor or an elder. And so we also talk about competency, and that is a a real thing to be talked about, but at the end of the day, like, character is of utmost importance. Like, you can learn new skills. And so there's character, and there's some emphasis on competency. And then also, maybe the last C to think about is just overall sort of philosophy of ministry, like, how we do, uh, how we seek to be the church as Crosspoint. Winter Park, and so as though this compatibility, meaning like. Not only do you believe the theology that we teach, but also the philosophy of ministry, how we seek to be the church in this particular context. So these men have been journeying uh, through that that process and really excited that uh, we get to install them as elders this morning. So it seemed fitting, because if you've been here over the last few weeks, you would know this. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes right now, okay? Um, and so we're going to take a one-week break, all right, uh, to address this idea of what does it look like to be a faithful pastor or shepherd or elder, and I will use those terms interchangeably I'm I'm not talking about different things there. I believe the scriptures use it in that regard, all right? And so we're going to be looking at this. So here's what I want you to do is, if you brought a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. You see it up there on the screen. We're going to look at the first five verses. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. There are some paperback ones on those back tables. At any point, you can get up, grab one of those, all right? Um, And you can turn to page 1119. The other option that you have as well is to take your phone out and go to cpwp.life. You swipe over the second card that is there, says message notes. What is up on the screen this morning, including the text that we'll be in, um, is listed there. There's space for you to be able to take notes. You can email them to yourself afterwards as a way to remember and continue to process this even after this service ends. But I want to go ahead and read this and kind of set the context of what we're going to be talking about this morning, and we're going to spend the time in here and learn from the Scriptures. You don't need my opinions or thoughts about what I think a pastor is or does. We need to hear from God, and He has given us His Word. He's gracious and kind that He would give us this Word that is living and active. And so, as I read this, if you're able, would you go ahead and stand as I read God's Word this morning? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders and clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I want to spend some time going through this this morning. I want to ask this, this sort of question, or a couple of questions as we get into it. And you maybe have wondered this, like, what exactly is an elder? Or maybe to get more, more practical, like, what is an elder or a shepherd or a pastor, like, what do they actually do? And even considering this question and studying for this, it was helpful for me to reflect on the calling that God has placed on my own life, all right, um, and to think through that. Because i I'm the most surprised of anybody that I'm up here this morning, all right? This was not my lifelong dream, wanting to be a pastor. I had delusions of, like, playing in the NBA, right? And yet my my grandmother would always say, like, Jamie, I think you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, shut up, Grandma, right? No, no, I didn't really say it like that. But but in my mind, I was like, no, 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 that's not how this is going to, to go down. There are other things that I'm going to do. And yet, over time, this is what God had for me, and he began to reveal that to me. Um, But I didn't know what in the world that meant. I mean, here was my recollection. Some of you maybe have heard me tell this before. I don't know what your upbringing is. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you grew up in a church that, similar to mine, like, I didn't know what to make of the pastor. I don't think I ever saw him. We went to church. I don't ever think I saw him in, in public ever, all right? He would appear on Sunday morning to give the sermon. Uh, He lived in this weird house that was attached to the church parking lot. Apparently it's called a parsonage, right? And I just sort of thought he was like teleported from the house there. He'd arrive on stage, and then back he'd go and be locked away until the next Sunday when he would come out, right? I had no idea, and I was like, that is not what I want. I don't want to get up in front of people and teach. I don't want any of that. I don't know what that man does, and now I get to be the beneficiary of those sorts of questions too, even as recently as this past week. I was getting a chance to talk and interact with a neighbor that I've been recently having some conversations with. And so, he's like, so you're a pastor, so what do you do, <laughs> all right? Um, and so, we had that, that moment, and we were able to talk through some, some of the, those things. And there's a lot that can be said about this, um, and maybe you're thinking, okay, well, what if that's not your role and your calling? Let me put this before you. This is what I think is helpful. Ultimately, what this does, like any passage of the Scriptures, it points us to Jesus. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the the one who's leading and guiding. So, this time this morning is not just a charge to Eric and Dan, though it certainly is that as are going to be our newest elders or pastors but also it's meant to point, it's like our hearts should rejoice and the things that are spoken of here are not necessarily unique even to these particular men. These are, should be things that like, as far as the character and following Jesus and resting in the gospel, is the, the calling for all Christians, regardless of where you're at. And so what is an elder, what does a pastor do? And so I wanna look at this passage in 1 Peter 5, we'll jump to another passage in a moment as well, but this will help sort of inform and help us answer this particular question. So look with me back at the first couple of verses here. we make a couple of comments where we see this calling. And what we need to see in this, and as Peter made reference to, he talks about the chief shepherd and he even talks about, he says, hey, I'm this. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Now, Peter had a unique role also as an apostle, but in this time, he's not playing that card, he's not giving those credentials, he's like, I'm a fellow elder, I'm in this with you all. And the context for this, we're picking it up in chapter five, but there are four chapters that preceded this, and if you were to read chapter four in particular, what you would see is Peter, as he wants to care for these people, he's telling them, listen, the Lord is communicating through his servant Peter, there is great tribulation and suffering and difficulty, and it's gonna be hard and they're going to about to endure some severe persecution, even as the church. And you know historically that that took place. And so part of this is being given to say, hey, the church needs men to be raised up to serve as pastors or elders to help shepherd this flock because there are difficult times that they are coming. So this is part of God's heart and design, a way that He might care for you. And yet in this, I believe Peter wants us to know as he writes these words as he's under the inspiration of the Spirit to pen these particular words that the ultimate leader, there is one savior, there's one senior pastor, it's Jesus. He sits at the top of the org chart, all right? He's ruling and reigning. It's his church, all right? None of the elders here died for this church. Jesus did. His blood is sufficient. We need to remember that. So there is one leader, there's one ultimate shepherd, that is Jesus. There's one savior, there's one story, as Peter also says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter said, there's the story of suffering and tribulation. So we follow Jesus and his life was like that. But there's this glory that is coming. You're part of this epic story where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to lead us as the sheep to this kind of ultimate pasture of the new heavens and the new earth. That's what he's going to do. So you're part of this story. So you've got one savior, one good good ultimate shepherd. you got one story and then a multiplicity or there are multiple elders that help serve and they are under shepherds. It's this idea of like, no, 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 we're not in charge. This isn't my church. This isn't the elders' church. This is Jesus' church. And Jesus has chosen to care for his church by raising up leaders. And so then the call becomes, look at this. He says, beginning in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. We'll stop there. We'll come back to the rest of chapter 2. So shepherd the flock of God. Now, this is really key as well. We'll unpack this because let's just be honest, all right? To use the term shepherd, that is foreign to our day and age for the most part, right? We don't necessarily walk around thinking of that or interacting a lot with shepherds. Like if you met somebody, you know, this week and they're like, hey, what do you do for I'm a shepherd, right? You'd think, okay, they're crazy, all right? Um, And you might have that sort of interaction. So what does that actually mean? We'll unpack that here in in a moment. It also says that's among you. The calling is to a particular body, a particular people. And so even the men today that are going to be installed as elders, they're called the shepherd, the flock that is here, all Right? It's not a calling for them to be like over the universal church. That'd be a bit overwhelming, all right? Like it's a call to a particular people, to know a particular people, to be invested, to be under shepherds at the same time, partners in this church. No distinction there as far as like men in need of the grace of God like all of us are. And so it says, shepherd the flock of God. And it says, exercising oversight. And so these terms are kind of a way to, to talk about this role of nurture and of care and of feeding. And oversight is this, this word, this episcopeo, and this sort of this Greek word. And in that word, there's this word scope. And so maybe you think telescope or microscope, right? It's this idea of, of peering in and of looking. And so the elder or the pastor or the shepherd is to be peering in, not in a micromanaging way, not in a stalking way, just sitting outside of your house, not that sort of thing, right? But a invested in the life. That's the call there, and to be paying attention and to help shepherd in care. And so, what I thought would be helpful is for us as we talk about this installation service that's here, let's go and look for a moment and go to John chapter 21, all right? So keep your spot in 1 Peter 5, but if you go over to John 21, it's on page 1005 if you're using the Bible here. I want to look for a moment at the installation service, so to speak, of Peter as an elder among you. What did this look like in his life? And so in John chapter 21, this is after Jesus has died, he has risen from the grave, He has appeared a couple of times now to the disciples, all right, so Peter would have been included in that. Peter had seen the empty tomb, all the things we talked about on Easter. But here at the end of the book of John. We're in some of the closing verses here. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. I'll read this in a moment. We find Peter, disciple Peter, has gone back to his home area. He has gone back to his trade, to his job, his vocation. Prior to following Jesus for these three years, he's back doing the work of a fisherman. And if you read the preceding verses, what you know is that Jesus was on the beach all right? And he's actually preparing breakfast for his disciples. And he sees them out fishing, and he asks them, basically, hey, have you caught anything? And, no, we haven't caught anything. And so, he's like, hey, you know, cast the nets on this side of the, of the boat. And they haul in, I believe it says 153 fish, all right? So, that's a pretty good catch, all right? Um, and at this point, Everybody else stays on the boat because like, we got to bring these in. And Peter, being a bit impulsive, as he typically is, throws his cloak back on and jumps in the water and makes a beeline for the beach. And now here's where we pick up is this interaction that he has with Jesus, or maybe more accurately, an interaction that Jesus has with Peter because what we see here is God's pursuit of his people. I hope this encourages you because the story of Peter, yeah, we can talk about him as an apostle and as an elder and all of that, but see this first and foremost. He's a man who stands in need of the grace of God like you do and like I do. Do you remember the story of Peter who said, Jesus, I'll be with you to the very end? And then on the night of his trial, denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. That is a significant thing as we look at these particular verses, that three times Peter denied, called down curses, says, I don't know the man. Even a young girl who spoke to this, I would have to imagine this pretty kind of rough, tough fisherman that is Peter, Peter cowered as this little girl said to him, like, aren't you one of them? Don't you belong? He's like, no, I don't know the man. And now Jesus has three questions for Peter. Look at this, beginning of verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And it's this way of perhaps saying the people that you're around, do you love me more than the vocation you're doing? The fish that you've just caught? I think like this whole way of life, like do you love me more than these? Because that would have been familiar for Peter. You can see he just kind of retreats back to what was comfortable. Maybe he had a lot of shame, a lot of regret. He's just like, I don't know. I guess I messed up. That was my one opportunity to be with, with Jesus, with the Messiah. And I denied him. So he goes back to his old trade. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Look at the note here that we're given. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Verse 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. It's a little marker there to say Peter too would die by crucifixion. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And so, let's look at this for just a moment. Like, what does this actually teach us, right? What is being communicated here in sort of Peter's installation service of sorts. And the very first thing that we see, all right, Jesus asks him, because he says that three, three times, asks this question, do you love me? It starts with a love relationship with Jesus. We can't ignore that, overlook that, we don't move past that, it is God's amazing pursuit of a people that have rebelled against him, and Jesus makes a way. Jesus could have said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm done with you, Peter, all right? But instead, he pursues him, makes him breakfast, invites him in, asks him these questions, all right? Now, these questions were difficult. Peter was grieved by it, all right? But there's these redemptive purposes in his questions, all right? It's not punitive, all right? But it's redemptive. And he's like, hey— I want you to connect your story to my story. I want you to know that there's grace and forgiveness. in the calling for an elder, the calling for any Christian is the love relationship with Jesus. I love the way Edmund Clowney in his commentary in 1 Peter spoke of this, and then particularly looking back at this passage in, in the book of John, he says, the care of pastors for their flock will be proportional to their care for the Lord. By the lake of Galilee, Jesus had examined Peter about his love for him, and only as he confessed his love for Christ was Peter charged to shepherd the flock of Christ. Love for Christ will kindle compassion for Christ's scattered sheep. Love for the Lord will motivate elders to imitate the care of the good shepherd. God directed his people as a flock, leading them through the wilderness, and so too Jesus leads his sheep going before them. Think of that right now. Jesus is going before you. He is leading you. He is wooing you. He is drawing you. He's saying, come this way. This is where you find life. And so then the elder shepherd is not a cowboy driving his flock like cattle. He leads them as a shepherd would walking on ahead, saying, come this way, pointing to the reality of who Jesus is. So it starts with a love relationship with Jesus. Now, in this as well, two different times, Jesus says to him, okay, after Peter says, I do love you, he says, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of so here here's the language here. God is communicating that the elder, the pastor, the shepherd, like what this actually looks like is to feed God's people. So a couple things with that. You see what's underlined there. Not my people, not Eric's people, not Dan's people, not anybody else who serves in this church as an elder, Ethan, Brian, anybody else, right? God's people. Right? I didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. That's a good thing. All right? You just would have gotten my sin imputed to you. It would have been just a big mess. All right? The reality is this, that People belong to God. Jesus has purchased them, has purchased us with his own blood. And so the calling then of the elder is to feed God's people. And it's not to feed them the nonsense that's out there that you're amazing or you're awesome or here's three steps of this or five steps of this. It's to feed people over and over and over again with the glorious truths of the gospel about the life, death, and resurrection of King Jesus. The call of an elder is to see people, all right, like ourselves who are in desperate need of the grace of of God, all right, but when we revert, maybe, or we get sucked into thinking, you know what, maybe we need to move past the gospel, maybe this isn't enough, all right, maybe this person needs something a little bit different than the gospel. Here's what it would be like. It'd be like you getting back from a long run, all right. You went and ran a marathon, and you came in, and I hand you a nice, tall glass filled with sand. And you're like, what is this? And I say, drink that. And you're like, no, and I force you to drown. I'm like, more, 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 and I'm making you drink this sand. You're like, this is horrible. You're making matters worse. When we feed anybody anything other than the living water or the the food that is the gospel, it's like giving somebody who is desperate for some water, giving them a nice big tall glass of sand and saying, here, drink this. The call of the elder is to feed God's people the gospel over and over and over again. If you've got issue with the gospel, what you need is more gospel. That's the reality of the situation. And then there's this call to, to tend God's sheep, which is, was caught up in the same idea, but to, to lead, to, to feed, to tenderly care, to walk alongside, to pay attention. And so he's calling Peter to this. And then he tells Peter at the end, listen, here's how it's gonna go for you. Like you actually will lay down your life. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And he's saying, you're going to follow suit not to save anyone, but this will be costly. Now, my guess is that none of the elders that that are here, all right, will give their lives for the cause of this church. Maybe, I don't know, but the reality is that's not as common, all right? We're not under this massive amount of persecution that would result in that, at least in this place. Now, you go to other parts of the world Installing somebody today as an elder in other parts of the world, they are were, they were a marked man, all right? They would be somebody that would be set apart that, that very real enemies of the gospel would be seeking to take out. And yet, we need to pay attention to there is a real enemy that is Satan, that is the deceiver that wants to bring attack upon his church, and oftentimes upon Jesus' church, and oftentimes how that happens is they're going after leadership, And so there's this call, there's this weightiness to it, that Jesus communicates to Peter. And If we kept reading, I'll read for just a moment, you know, verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, uh, following him, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper, all right? And when Peter said to him, he said, Lord, what about this man, all right? Which wouldn't that be our normal response? I love the honesty of Peter, okay, so you're telling me I'm going to die, but what about this dude? Come on, John? Like, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus is basically like, listen, I'm just talking to you, Peter. I've got stuff for John that's not for you to know, it's not for you to worry about, I'm talking to you. And the calling is going to be one of sacrifice. And so there's this call to love Jesus, to feed, to tend, to know that there's sacrifice that's involved. But it's not just that, that there's the character. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter five. Let me read the back part of verse 2 and into verse 3. It says this, all right, in light of this then, all right, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So Peter here God here is very clear that character matters. The motive matters in all of this. And so let's just unpack this for a moment because the long troubled history of the nation of Israel is God repeatedly raised up shepherds and they failed. They were awful at their calling. They did not have the character that they were called to. They didn't cultivate the love relationship with their God, with their creator, with their savior. But rather, they began to take matters into their own hands, viewed it as a place of privilege, viewed it as something like, I'm here to sort of exercise my authority. These people are here to serve me. And they lost sight of the calling to sacrifice, to servanthood, to this leadership that they were called to. In fact, the book of Ezekiel lays this out in Ezekiel 34, 1 4. Look at these, look at this description. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And the great temptation for anybody who's in this role is to go the way of the shepherds in the book of Ezekiel. And what you need to know and hear in this as well is we're not raising anybody up or bringing them up here because they will be perfect shepherds. You overlay this on my life. I'll just talk about me for a moment. I have failed. There have been needs that I haven't seen. There have been, and I haven't moved toward them or things that I could have responded more or things that, uh, maybe things that were not said that should have been said. I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you like, we're so broken, flawed men. There are things that, at times where it seems overwhelming, and so you're just like, I, I don't know what, what to do. And so sometimes that even can lead to an inactivity. And so there's got to be this call, this ongoing call to, to repent. and say, I don't want to go the way of these false shepherds that the book of Ezekiel speaks about, where God speaks against. And so Peter here lays out some things and says, hey, Here's the call, he says, to not do it under compulsion, but willingly. One of the great shepherds, not a perfect shepherd, but one of the great shepherds in the history of Israel is King David. If you remember King David's story, it's prior to him becoming king, prior to him slaying giants, prior to him doing all that, he was a shepherd. He would tend to his father's flock, and he would be out. And here's the description in 1 Samuel 17 I think it helps us see, what does compulsion versus willingness look like? And Maybe a way to think about this is David moves from this sort of like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum, to actually, no, I'm going to go kill a bear. That's actually what he does. All right, First Samuel 17, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, David's like, here's how that went down. I caught him by his beard, struck him, and killed him. That's what's up, right? So that's what David is communicating, all right? He's like, all right, I'm doing this willingly. It's not the bare minimum. I'm not like, oh, well, we just lost one sheep. We'll just let it go. He's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to take this to the one that's attacking. That's a picture of a willingness. He also says, don't do it for shameful gain, but do it eagerly. The calling of an elder or pastor is not to use the bride of Christ to build our ego, to make us feel significant, to make us feel like we're making some contribution, that we're doing something heroic or amazing. If I use the people of God, the church that Jesus purchased with his blood to build up my ego, shame on me. Shame on any elder that would do that. There's a temptation there. Even in the desire to see more people meet Jesus and to, to grow and baptisms and discipleship and all. I want all of those things. I want to see you grow. I want to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And yet there's always this battle of like, ah, is my ego getting in the way? What is driving that? And the calling here is to not to do it for shameful gain. That could speak of financially, all right? but also can just be, are you looking to other people for a sense of approval, their applause, the recognition, hey, way to go, you're amazing. And he says, the other thing we gotta pay attention to is being domineering, or are you being an example? If anyone ever aspires to a role of leadership so that they can be the one at the top, that they can be in control, particularly in Jesus' church, you've already missed it. If it's like, no, cool, now I can tell people what to do, you've missed it. The model is servant leadership. And so what he's saying here, what Peter is communicating, what God is communicating through his servant Peter is like, you're actually called to be an example of what servant leadership looks like. And so these men that are being installed today, that is what I've seen demonstrated in their life. Not perfectly but they want to serve. They're stepping into this, all right? They're basically taking on a lot of hardship and difficulty in order to serve, to bring glory to God, their king, and to help set an example. And sometimes that example is gonna be like, hey, I I messed up, and I'm repenting, and I'm running to the grace of God, and I'm gonna point you to that reality. It's a call to be this role model, to set a godly example. One of the ad campaigns when I was younger, growing up, all right, um, you guys might know him, some of you that are younger, you're like, oh, is he the guy that's a bit overweight that does uh, some basketball commentary for TNT, um, Charles Barkley, all right? Um, for me, when I was growing up, there was this guy who was still very active in playing in the NBA, and Nike ran a huge ad campaign, some of you might actually remember this, where Barkley declared over and over, you know, he was a bit aggressive, all right, um, that I am not a role model. And he's like, I dunk a basketball, I'm not here to raise your kids. Now, there, there's some truth in that right? Um, But he was espousing, like, don't look to me at that. He's just wanting to distance himself from, like, the athlete as role model. And we can debate the merits of that, but here's the reality. As an elder, as a pastor, as a shepherd, the call is absolutely set an example to be a role model, not to distance yourself from that responsibility, but to step into it. And with that, knowing that there's going to be times where you fail and it might be more public, and it might be more—and the opportunity to showcase, listen, I need the grace of God. There's this call to servant leadership. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the example that's to be set. And praise God, Jesus did that perfectly. He's the one who paid the ransom. And so here's how it. look at verse four. We'll run through these last couple of verses. And so as an encouragement, then I think what Peter is doing here is saying, all right, so... To the elder, to the shepherd, to somebody that's called to this, ultimately for all of us, is take your eyes a bit off of just the everyday circumstances and see the bigger picture that you're part of. And so for the elder in particular, he says these words, and when the chief shepherd appears, again that reminder, I'm not the chief shepherd, nobody here is the chief shepherd, but Jesus appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so Peter's borrowing this imagery that would have been well known in that time, in that place, where there were games games that were, were, you know, like the Olympic games that we have, there are also the Isthmian games in Greece, things like this that, that took place and were oftentimes the one who won was given this sort of wreath and it was kind of woven together of twigs and leaves and flowers and that. And it was this high, this great thing of honor. But if you can imagine that over time, it begins to disintegrate, to crumble, to fall apart. That great thing that you gave all your time and energy to just ends up as a big pile of like debris at some point. Not so, though, in the kingdom of God. There is a crown that you get, and it's unfading. It's this crown of glory that awaits you to be faithful and to serve and to play your part well. For all of us to hear at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. And to know that this is possible, this crown, that not just for the elder, but even for all Christians, meaning this calling that we have to hear those words is only possible, though, because of the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, the one that we revere. So let me ask you, though, what crown are you chasing? As elders, we have to ask ourselves this question, but it's also the question for all Christians. What thing are you hoping to get that at the end of the day it's some twigs and sticks and flowers and vines sort of woven together, and it might look beautiful for a moment, but it will disintegrate, it'll crumble, it'll be forgotten, it'll go away. Some of the themes of Ecclesiastes that we've been getting into. Or are you chasing the life that is the kingdom life, pursuing the things of God, and ultimately orienting your life around the one who chased you down, who found you when you were the lost sheep, when I was the lost sheep, when I had wandered off that the good shepherd came. And the beautiful picture of the gospel, this chief shepherd that's spoken of here, Peter would also tell us, as the storyline of the scriptures also tells us this, the chief shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This calling of sacrifice. The only way that we can endure is to continually go back to Jesus. The chief shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. First Peter in just a couple chapters earlier, said this in chapter 2, 24 to 25. He himself, that is Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that is the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep. But if now returned the shepherd and the overseer of your souls, this is made possible because Jesus died the death that you deserve and that I deserve. And that in His grace He pursued us. What Peter is referencing here is I started out of Isaiah 53. I'll read verses five to seven. The whole chapter is worth reading, but for time's sake, let's look at five to seven. He, it's looking ahead to this. One, This ultimate shepherd who would become the sacrificial lamb. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. All Jesus did when he opened his mouth was to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he willingly went to the cross to die the death that all of us deserve. That's our shepherd. That's our king. That's the one that we trust in. And when that grips our hearts, elders can play their part well. Deacons can play their part well. Partners in the church can play their part well. That's the calling, that's where this passage ends. In verse five, it says this, we'll just look at this very quickly. Likewise, it says, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, and it's this word to all of us, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That idea there of you who are younger isn't so much age, though it can be, and sometimes it corresponds to that. He's speaking of an immaturity that is in the heart where we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to play our part. We're, maybe we're jealous for other roles or things that, that people have. And it's like to die to that, to humble ourselves, regardless of your role. And so it's a call to humility, to the elder, to the partner, to the deacon, to anybody that's a follower of Jesus, there's this call. Might we be a church that is clothed in humility? How winsome that would be. The church flourishes when we die to self and we seek to serve other people. When you have a posture that is the elders are here to meet all of my needs, the church will not flourish. And if the elders have a posture that is like, hey, we're here to just delegate some things and not really get our hands dirty, the church will not flourish. But there has to be this posture of servant leadership where we look to the chief shepherd, we look to Jesus, and in that, we are reminded of what we're invited into in this beautiful story. And so, with this, here's what I want to do for just a few minutes that we have remaining in this time, is I want to talk then specifically to Eric and to Dan. I'll invite them up in just a moment. But a way to summarize some of the core commitments that elders make, and we've talked about some of them here already this morning, is a call to feed, to lead, to protect, and to care. So we're gonna install these men. And so I wanna invite Dan Crosby and his family to to come up. Where's Dan? Dan is here. Yes, all right. He didn't he didn't skip out. That's good. Yes. So yes, let's hear for Dan and Rebecca. You guys can come up here. We're really grateful for you all. And I know it is, you know. The husband here that is being installed in this, but the wife plays a huge part in this. And so thank you for your support and encouragement and everything along the way and ongoing as well. So and we also have Eric Rome coming up and his wife Becca. And son Neville, maybe, coming up as well. Yes, nice. Awesome. They've already started coordinating on their shirt colors. It's great, yes. It's looking good. So Becca, how are you? There is a step there, or I can help you up here, so (laughs) there you go. So grateful for you all. Now, what I also want to do um, as we address them for just a moment is invite other elders right now, or Ethan Pitch and Brian King, if they would come forward as well. So for for one, if you're new to the church or you're trying to figure out, hey, who are some of the current elders and and new elders? uh, This is the crew here. and so. Guys, I'm so grateful for you all. Such an exciting morning. Been looking forward to th- this time. You guys have served the church well. Uh, those of you that might be newer to Crosspoint as well to know, uh, this is a beautiful picture too of this call of elder or pastor. In some cases, that is in a, uh, a lay elder, lay pastor capacity. So Dan has his own, you know, he's a co-owner of a, a business here in town and runs that as his vocation, is serving the church purely in a volunteer role. And then we have Eric who has, has been our operations minister, his new title will be moving to an pastor here within the, the church, and so continuing in some of the same areas, but so this is his vocational calling, and that's what the scripture, they're, they're both of those can be, be present. So just so excited to celebrate with you guys. Thank you for your, your work, and what I want to do um, is I'm going to ask you a series of questions as vows, but the first thing is this. I just want to read. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Here Paul is giving this word to these, this group of elders, and he's ready to, to leave them, and here's the things that he says. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. The tendency is going to be to drift towards the flock sometimes and not cultivate your relationship with the Lord. And also, I think implicit in this as well is you have a calling to your first flock, which, men, is your, your wife, the kids that the Lord has given to you. And so it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock so you don't neglect the church. But it starts with Are you cultivating your relationship with Christ that love relationship, serving your family, serving as an elder, as a shepherd there, and then to the church. It says, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. If there's any bit of a savior complex of those times, like, oh, have I done enough, or I messed up, or this, rest in these words. It's not to grow complacent, but it's to say, he obtained it with his own blood. You're not the Savior. The church doesn't need you to be the Savior. does not need any of us. We would fail miserably at that. But he obtained with his own blood. I love these words. Charles Spurgeon, his lectures to my students, he gives these words to, to young, aspiring pastors and elders. He says, regularly apply the gospel to your own hearts. As pastors, all of our gospel ministry should arise out of a deep awareness that we desperately need all that we commend to others. Do we want our people to know and love Christ supremely and to love others sincerely? We need the same. We are dependent on God's grace and mercy every day, just as our people are. We need to grow in humility and forgiveness, just as they do. So I hope you'll take those words to heart. And, congregation, I hope you will remember to pray for your pastors and to your elders. We need this reminder. It is so easy to drift from remembering who we are in Christ, as it is for anybody. And so, Here are the four callings, and I'll ask you a question that you can respond to, and then we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you guys as we install you. This morning, but the first to feed the sheep. Second Timothy 4 2 to 4. This is to feed the sheep the gospel. That's right, Neville. Yeah, it's, you're looking good, man. It says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. The gospel preach the gospel, feed people the gospel, whether that's from a stage or one on, in a one-on-one conversation. So, men, I ask you these questions, Eric and Dan. With God's help, do you covenant to feed the church with the glorious truth of the gospel? Do you? Secondly, there's a call to lead the church. 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's this ongoing work of the gospel, to lead the church towards multiplication, disciples to be made, disciples to multiply and to grow. And so I ask you this question, with God's help, do you covenant to lead the church in gospel multiplication? Do you? Awesome. Third, you. This is around protecting the church. Book of Jude, verses 3 to 4 says this, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And there's this call to fight for, to contend for the the purity of the gospel. And so Dan and Eric ask you, with God's help, do you covenant to protect the church by contending for the purity of the gospel, do you? And lastly, there's this call to care for the church. First Thessalonians 5 verse 14 says this, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. And the idea here I think is to To bring the gospel to bear on just the everyday situations of life. Some of it's going to be major catastrophes and some of it's just going to be just the grind that is daily life and to encourage people in the gospel. And so I ask you this, with God's help, do you covenant to care for the church by applying the gospel to the everyday situations of life, do you? So what we want to do now is want to pray for these men. We want to lay hands on them and to pray for them. So um, Ethan Pitch is going to pray for Dan. Brian King is going to pray for Eric. Uh, there's a microphone back there. Yes, there's that. And so as we do this for this. Um, Dan, if you'll move to the center here, for us, Eric. Sorry, as Ethan prays for you and Brian and I, let's let's lay hands. And Rebecca, you come up here as well. We're going
1: to pray for. Yes, you get to be included in all of this. So, all right. Uh, God, first and foremost, we want to just uh, thank you for this family. Uh, It's an answer to prayer. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long process. Uh, We've watched Dan uh, just grow and mature and pour into this congregation. Uh, So, just thank you, first and foremost, for this family. It's an answer to prayer, God. uh, would continue and ask three things uh, for this family from you. Uh, first, that he would be never forget the call to pastor his family first. Uh, there will be uh, no shortage of needs at this church for him to respond to. And knowing his heart for the people here, he will be quick to respond to those. Uh, but first and foremost, God, that he would not forget the call to pastor his family. Uh, second, Lord, we would just pray that he would be quick to repent. Um, being in a position of leadership like this here, uh, he's going to be confront uh, his own shortcomings uh, all the time, and uh, we just pray that he'd be very quick to repent, um, not to uh, be discouraged in those things, uh, and and just quickly run to you, uh, God. And the last thing we pray is just that uh, he'd have strength in discouragement. Uh, this can be a uh, a tough call. Um, we just pray that he'd have strength in that discouragement that will come, uh, and that he would uh, pour into uh, you and your word, and uh, just not be afraid to reach out to other elders, um, that we would walk with him through this. And so, we pray your blessing on this family, in Jesus' name. Amen. All
0: right. Dan, I want to present you a couple of things here that, this morning. Um, I welcome you as an elder. So, let's hear it for Dan Crosby. Yes. <laughs> Love you, man. Love dude. So thankful for you guys. Um, certificate of ordination and then um, Bible uh, as this, not that you don't have one I assume you have one, yes but, um, but to commemorate uh, this and as a, that's just that reminder to continue to, to feed your own soul your family, the, the church the truth of the gospel so there you go so, alright, Eric and Becca Brian King is going to pray for it. you guys are so thankful for you all Hey, bow your head with me if you don't mind. Hey, gracious Heavenly Father, what a what a joyous morning this is uh, to welcome uh, Eric and Becca into uh, co shepherding uh, of this uh, amazing church you have us lead in, in Winter Park, Florida. I love the four part calling that uh, Jamie has uh, so well said to us this morning, and in that calling there'll be days of uh, certainly of challenge, of grief, of frustration, but in those days there's many days of joy and happiness and exuberation, and uh, so I see you uh, give Eric and Becca. Uh, a special passion and continued passion for this church, uh, that uh, ultimately they might rely on you for all of their needs and uh, the weight of the responsibility of leading the church, and just ask that you bless their steps in the coming days, weeks and years. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. thankful for you guys, and so I want to present this as well. Eric, it's been a great joy to to have you on, on staff and now into the, this role. i so thankful that God brought you here to, to Florida. It's been an amazing thing what he's done over the last couple of years and so a certificate of ordination. So, congratulations, man. Love you. Love you guys, I'm excited for you guys. And similarly, I want to present you the, this Bible. I know you prefer your Hotel Gideon's Bible, uh, but uh, we uh, have this one here as well. And just again, that reminder to Teach people the truths of the gospel, um, to soak in that, to rest in that, as I know you guys do. I'm going to continue to point people to Jesus. So there you go. So let's hear it for these folks one more time. <laughs> Lastly, here, here's what I want to do. I'm going to I'll close this this time in prayer, um, and part of it is just praying for us as a church family that we would flourish. Um, we love you all. Want to continue to walk alongside and care for you. Thank you for your grace toward us. These men, myself included, that, that are up here, we are fallen, broken. We don't do the, this perfectly. We need the grace of God. Um, I want to pray for you all as, as a church that you might flourish under uh, the leadership that God has raised up here. So, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you. For this church that is Crosspoint Winter, Winter Park and just this um, opportunity that we have to point this community to Jesus. And so, I'm just so grateful, God, that you have allowed us the privilege of serving here in this time, in this place. And God, I pray for uh, this church body, God, that, uh, that they would flourish under the leadership that has been raised up here in these elders. Um, God, I pray that Uh, There would just be uh, continued building of trust and of sacrifice and of humility um, across the board uh, that we would uh, be faithful to pray for one another. Um, God, that uh, that you would use all of us in our various roles to see your church flourish. So, God, that you would get your glory and that we, as your people, would experience a great joy. And so, God, just thank you. Uh, thank you for this work that you're doing here. Um, and God, we ask that you would continue, um, that you would do more than we can ask or imagine. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen. Um, All right. It was great to be able to celebrate with you guys. These guys uh, will be out in the connections area, the lobby afterwards um, as well. So, thank you guys again. Let's hear for these guys one more time. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out our time as we do. We're going to spend some time in prayer for a moment. We're going to sing some songs. Let's praise Jesus. He's the one that is the, the good shepherd. And so, I encourage you in the, these ways for just to just take a moment to quiet your heart, to spend some time in prayer. If you need prayer, be members of our prayer team. Um, but we want to respond to God. We want to confess. We want to celebrate the reality of the gospel. We want to commit to being people that, that we would put on—we would clothe ourselves with humility, that we would look to Jesus. So, let me pray for us all to that end, and then I'll come back up and explain how we're going to continue in uh, communion and through song this morning, continuing to worship Jesus. So, uh, let me pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Holy Spirit, you are here with us now to lead us into repentance, remind us afresh of the truths of the gospel. And so, hear our prayers now, we pray in Jesus' good name. Amen.